Thanks for joining us. I hope today's message builds your faith and inspires you to change the way you think. Before we get started, I want you to know that we truly care about you and what's going on in your life. Please give us a call, send us an email, or connect with us on our app so we can stand with you in prayer. Today we have our good friend Dan Seaborn with us with a challenging message on how to become the peacemaker. Thank you for this privilege of coming this morning and speaking to you, and I'm going to ask you a simple question today. It's very simple. When you leave, you'll be able to analyze yourself and answer this question. Am I, as a person, am I a, one of the two, ready, am I a peacemaker or am I a peacetaker? That's what I want you to ask yourself this morning. We live in a society right now where uh, no matter what you watch on television, there's just bickering. I mean, you say, well, I only watch ESPN. Great. They're loading it up right now with people on opposite views, and they just bicker, and they fight, and they share their point of view. And it's fine. It's good. But it creates this atmosphere of just tension and, and fighting. And certainly in the political realm today, we see this. And I want you to know that it's not unusual. Jesus lived in a day where that was happening all around him. And remember his name? Remember what they called him? It was the Prince of Peace. And today I'm going to call you to a higher level. I'm going to make you look at yourself and say, am I just a part of this society and this social media platform where we just go at it and we share our opinions and we say what we want to say? Or am I a person who when I enter the room... I bring peace. I'm going to use a passage from Romans. Paul wrote the book of Romans. He wrote it to give us guidance on holy living. And in Romans chapter 12, uh, we get up to a verse that says this, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. I got to thinking about that. What is the pattern? If I had to sum up the pattern of this world in just a short phrase, what would that phrase be? In other words, when we leave this environment of worship and we go out and we're living among the world, we're living in the world, what's the pattern out there? I think I've come up with it. I think it's two words. I think it's this. Me first. I think it's me first. If you watch the people who are sharing their opinions, what do they generally want to say at the end? Well, you can say what you want to say, but I'm right because it's me first. And Paul spoke to us, those of us who follow after the name of Jesus Christ and believe in the name of Jesus Christ, he said to us, there's a different way of living for you, and I'm going to call you to that way of living. And here's what he says. Watch this. In terms of being a peacemaker, listen to this phrase. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Like, I want you to think about the people in your life or maybe the people in your workplace, your family. Somewhere, there's a spot where all of us, well, right now, when I say that, somebody's face is coming up in your mind. That person, don't repay evil, even though they may present evil to you. Be careful what to do and to do right in the eyes of everyone. Then our theme verse for this morning, verse 18, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I want to say the verse again. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, say that with me. Who? You. Y'all ever gone to church, and while you're sitting in church during the sermon, said to somebody next to you, boy, I wish so-and-so was here. Well, today, you're here, and this sermon is for you. Don't, don't picture, you know, that other person that drives you nuts, that evil one in your life? Don't picture them today. Maybe send them a video of it later. But today, while you're in the sermon, listen and say, okay, God, speak to me today, and I'm going to seek to obey what you say. Amen. 
Now, that verse says, if it is possible. So it wouldn't say that if it wasn't sometimes impossible. In other words, it would say, it's always possible to live at peace. It doesn't say that. It says, as much as it is, if it is possible, meaning there are going to be times it's not possible. There are people in our lives sometimes in situations we face where we're not going to be able to make peace with them. That, that is the life. The problem is we usually use that as an out. There are situations right now that some of you are in where you could be a peacemaker, but you say to yourself, you don't know my situation, man. You don't get, I'm dealing with something that's impossible. In fact, the word impossible is coming up on the screen. I want to show you something about that word. It's got a lot of I'm in it. I'm sure I'm right. I'm sure if you saw my point of view, you'd get the whole thing. I, 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 I. Watch what happens if you drop the I'm on the word impossible. It becomes possible. And so today, I want you just to consider for a moment, what's the you factor in bringing peace to some circumstance or some situation that you maybe feel there is no chance? What's the you factor? Because this verse makes me ask several questions, and here's the first one. Am I really dead to all the self in me? Is there another little drop in me that could be poured out? Because, see, when we get into a tough situation, let's just use this little vase this morning full of water. Let's say this is a situation. And that, you, you explained it to me, and you say, Dan, you don't know. They bring all that to the table. And the other person, they have all these issues. I'm just, here's what we say, I'm just a couple of little drops in there. I'm not very much at all. And yet I would say to you, is it possible that you're why the whole thing is getting tainted? You're only two drops of red, but I'll keep walking around, and the more I walk, the more those two little drops of red will taint this whole jar of water. And it's so easy sometimes to look and say, well, I'm not the problem. I'm not even 1% of the problem. Okay, maybe you're just a drop, but look what one drop is doing. And the Bible doesn't use each of us together with each other as the standard. It tells us Jesus is our example. And do y'all remember what Jesus did? He poured himself entirely out. He didn't say, I'm going to hold back a couple of drops of me while I'm hanging here on the cross. No, he fully died. He fully surrendered. What would it look like for you in some of the situations you're dealing with if you just said, well, there's a little bit of me left in there. There's a little bit of something about this that's still me. Because you know what? You are the only one you can control. You are the only one who can make a decision about your life. It's up to you to decide, I will pour all my drops out. And you go, but that's hard. That's correct. There's only one guy that did it, Jesus. And we sing about him every weekend. And that's why, because he showed us there is a better way. He looked at the world. He looked at the society he was living in. He looked at the way life was lived around him, and he said, I'm going to raise the bar. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, we are called, ready, to raise the bar. We are called to set new standards of living in the world that we're in right now. What could you do to pour out a few more drops. If you're just carrying around this much in your pocket of self, that's much. Let me just tell you, it's going to leave a big old stain there eventually. 
the lid's going to come off and people are going to go, oh, he's got some stain or bitterness or something in his pocket. Let's get it out. The second thing that I see, a question I ask myself when I, when I look at this whole story is, is this. I need to stop thinking about them and what they can do, and I need to focus on what I can do. Um, many of you are in a scenario right now that if you came up to me after service, we stand right down here together, and you explained it to me, I will listen to you, and I will go, man, you're right. That person's got an issue. But it probably won't solve the issue. I've had in my life in the last few years a couple of scenarios where I believe I could stand in front of a judge and point out that I'm mostly right. I, I am doing the right thing by and large. And it'd be easy for me to say, I'm sure better than them in this scenario. That's not the standard. And I want to ask you today, like some of you in your marriage today, what would happen if you really died to sell? What if today, instead of sitting here going, boy, I hope she's listening, you would say, I need to listen. What about that family member? What about that coworker that tomorrow, you're dreading going to work tomorrow because you've got to see them again? Can, can, I just, can I just show you something right now? They're out there doing whatever. They're, they're not even in the room right now. And look how much it's affecting you. You're allowing them to have power over you. Don't give someone else power over you. Do you know one of the things I love about watching the life of Jesus when it comes to this stuff? He never handed the power of a situation he was in. He never handed it. A Pharisee never said to him, doing him going, well, I'm good. He never lost it with him. He would just, what did he do? He'd look back at him and ask him a question. You know how much it drove them crazy? But he pre-decided before he walked in the room, no one else will control me but me. Because I'm here to follow the purpose of God the Father. So I've already pre-decided you won't make me angry. Because you can't. I belong to Him. That changes everything. Some of us too often hand the power of how we react and act over to someone else. Because we react to what they do. And in this picture, as far as it is possible, watch, as much as it depends on who? You. I spoke down in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, at a conference probably a couple months ago, and I was um, a pastor, and then there was a clinician, a counselor. We were speaking to all counselors. So I stood up, and I gave a sermon, and then after me, there was a counselor came up and just gave some counseling advice to all these counselors in the room, and he told the following story, and it's so good. He said he had a couple come into his office, and he said uh, when they walked in, I could tell the lady had so many things against her husband. She's, he, he said it was like if she were a cushion and she had seams in herself, all of her seams were just bursting, not because of her size or anything like that, just because she was just so filled up with rage and frustration and, and things he had done to her and animosity, and it's just all in there. He said her seams were bursting to just let me know all that stuff. He said, I could tell she just kept waiting for me to go, what do you feel about your husband? She was ready to let him have it. And he said, you know, we're in the first session, and I really don't want to get into that kind of stuff, so I just didn't go there. He said, I, I never asked them what they felt about each other. He said, instead, at the end of the session, I took a legal pad. He said, I had one laying on my desk, and he said, I just picked up the legal pad. And at the end of our time together, that first session, I looked at the lady, and I said to her, ma'am, I can tell uh, you have a lot of issues and things that have happened that your husband's done to you, 
And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go home and I want you to write them down. I want you just to make a list. Just number them, write them down, and bring this back to me next week when we get together. I want you to bring me this legal pad full of all of the things that he has done to you. He said, so next session we showed up a week later. We arrived at my office and they come in. And he said, so I greeted him, did my normal thing. Then I said to him, ma'am, I gave you that legal pad. Do you have that for me? He said, so she reached down, pulled out of her little bag. He said, she pulled out a legal pad, and he told us as an audience, he said, she had, you ready, 76 pages. (laughs) Front and back. That's a lot. And he said, you know, when you write on a legal pad, and then you do it, you know, and then you write on the other page back here, and then you write it there, and then you're, he said, you know how the pages, he said, that thing was full, just just packed up there, full, holding it in my hand, I was like, whoa, okay. He said, so I took her legal pad, and I laid on my desk, he said, then I began to talk to them as a couple about, I appreciate you coming in again, I appreciate you working through your issues this week, I'm glad you wrote those down, ma'am, and then he said, I proceeded to talk about forgiveness. And I begin to talk about what it means to be a peacemaker and what it means to, as far as it depends on you, to let things go. He said, so I did my whole session. I finished my talk, and I said, okay, now what do you guys have to say? And he said, the guy spoke first, did his thing. He said, then the lady said, I'd, I'd like to do something. He said, okay, what would you like to do? He's thinking, here she goes. And he said, she walked over to him and said, can I have that pad? And he said, sure. And so he gave her the pad. He said, she went over to his trash can. He said, she walked over and she said, if we're ever going to get anywhere in our marriage, um, we got to start with me tearing a lot of these pages out. If I'm ever going to improve in my relationship with my husband, I got to start forgiving him for all the stuff that I've got written down and I'm holding against him. This is what it looks like. When we say the statement, as far as it depends on you, can I just ask you today, whose name is on a legal pad that you keep in your mind? Some of you might actually keep it by your bedside. You might have a real one. And I'm saying to you, if you want to know what peace looks like, it's tearing the pages out. It's forgiving. Because I, I want you to get this fully. You see, Jesus has a legal path, has the name Dan Seaborn on it. You know what he said, Dan? When I forgive you your sins, I'll never hold it. I don't even remember it anymore. I don't even remember it. It's gone. If you want your Heavenly Father to forgive you, the Word of God says you forgive others. Jesus has a legal pad named Dan Seaborn. And he forgave me of my sins. And he says, it's as far as the east is from the west. It's not even possible for him to find the legal pad against me anymore because he forgave me. Some of you this morning, one of the reasons you don't bring peace into the scenarios you go into, into your life, with your children, with your family, wherever you are, you know why you don't have peace? Because you've never forgiven yourself. You've never believed your own legal pad can be free and blank and Jesus said I have come to forgive you of every sin you've ever committed even the sins of your future I have the grace to cover your sin Jesus can cover all those sins and if you want to bring peace to others you find peace in your forgiveness from God the Father that's where it starts hand your legal pad to Jesus today and say I'm going to keep No more records of my own wrongs. 
I'm talking with a young lady right now who's used this phrase with me this week. I just don't feel I fully deserve that. Satan, lo Satan loves to go, what, what? Even in the scenario I'm in this morning, look down there, Dad. You can look down there, Dan. You can still see your old empty pages of sins. And look, Dan, look. Don't you remember that sin? Don't you remember that sin? Don't Satan loves to remember this sin. Jesus is the one who said, I remember them no more. Satan is a liar. He is the enemy. He likes to point out your old sins. When you're forgiven, you are forgiven. And today is a good day for you to accept that. So you're sitting here. And uh, you need to know, I sometimes come to res on Sunday mornings, too. Uh, I try to come incognito. I usually wear a little hat, pull it down low, sit over there somewhere. Some of you still recognize me or see me, but I just like to be quiet when I'm here to come hear Pastor Dwayne and someone else preach. And some of you come in that same way this morning. You don't want anybody to see you. You don't want anybody to talk to you. You, you actually don't even think you deserve to be here, but you go because there's something inside you still drawn to come to worship. You can't even explain it yourself. I don't really want to go, but here I am. And the reason you come is because you know there is way down deep in you a longing for a deeper relationship with the God that made you. And you are somehow fighting that even this morning, and you're listening to me going, yeah, but his little perfect little life. You wait till the end of this message. You'll see my life has not been perfect. And I want to tell you today, you don't need to hide from God sitting in this sanctuary this morning. He sees you. And if you're online, you go, but I stayed home. He can't find me. Gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. He sees you. And he knows you're longing for him, and he wants to love you back. And he wants to get rid of your legal pad. Hand it to him this morning. I got chills right now thinking about somebody even online just going, I'm sick of fighting my own self. I want fully to be loved by Jesus. He's got you. He's got you. I was talking to somebody this week who didn't want to turn their life fully over to Jesus because they had Jesus shoved down their throat their whole life, and now they're 26 or so, and they're seeing that it really wasn't Jesus that was angry at them. It was other stuff. I said, right. I said, you ever meet the real Jesus? Oh, you'll want him. You'll want him bad. And this morning, I invite somebody who's sitting here privately by yourself, forgive your own sins against yourself. You say, Dan, if you could see what I did one time 10 years ago. <laughs> You could show it on the video screen. I promise, even me would say to you, still love you. Can't do anything that would make me not love you. How much greater is the Father's love for you? And mine's just a man thing. How much greater is a Father God who created you love for you? So receive that love today. And know that he wants you more than you even want yourself. I pause there because I think I'm supposed to. Somebody's grappling with your own soul. You came to church this morning and the Lord's speaking right to your heart. There's a reason Ken sang the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is your shepherd. You don't have to want. He's got you. That's the song when I was a little boy. I'm going to tell you a story at the end of this message. That's, that's the story. I would lay in bed at night, and my brother would whisper the 23rd Psalm into my ear. That's always been my psalm of peace. 
And this morning, just hear the still voice of the Lord God Almighty speaking to about however many thousand sheep are here and online. He's saying, I am your shepherd. You can trust me. I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I will walk with you in your loneliest spot. I love you. Lord God, I pause to pray right in the middle of this message because there is a heart being drawn to you today. Not because of man-made words, but because that's what you do. The Holy Spirit woos. The Holy Spirit comes to us and speaks to us at our point of need. And today, for the needy soul online, the needy soul sitting in this sanctuary, we turn to you. We hand you our legal pad of sins we've held against ourselves, and we thank you for being a Savior who takes those pages and throws them away as far as the east is from the west. I receive freedom in you, salvation in you. Thank you for being my Lord and my God. Amen. We're going to keep going. I got another two hours of message. Just kidding. Just kidding. I got to eat. So here we go. I'm going to give you... On the left side of the screen, light side of the screen, right side, you're going to see this thing I call peacemakers and peacetakers. I'm going to compare the two, and you're going to get to decide what you are. Now, you need to know, sometimes we're all peacetakers. Of course we are. Even those of us who would say we're peacemakers, we struggle with this sometimes. Sometimes we lose it or don't always act like Jesus. So I get that, but watch this. Overall, I want to ask you, do you bring into the relationship, in those relationships in your life, and here they go, just a little list, do you either bring healing or do you bring hurt? A way I can get at this is when you think of the world terrorism that we face right now, when you think of those who bring that onto our society and around the world, we think of them as bringing hurt and pain. What do they do? They want to make you anxious. They want to bring violence. They want to kill people, make you feel like you, oh, there's so much unrest. That's what peacetakers do. Peacemakers, on the other hand, Jesus says, I come to take all that away. And I like to break it down this way. Sometimes in our home, are, are we ready, little terrorists? I mean, forget about world terrorists. What about your house? What does it look like when all the doors are closed? Is there a little terrorism going on in there? We need to answer and grapple with that question. And if you say, I'm not really sure, ask the people in the car on the way home. They'll tell you. <laughs> They'll call it out what it is. And you want to be a peacemaker. You want to bring healing you want to bring moments of joy. A second thing that peacemakers do. Peacemakers assume the best and peacetakers assume the worst. Y'all ever been in a scenario, let's just say it's at work, you walk in and everybody's talking about somebody, they're talking in a negative way. Do you join in the party and go, yeah, I think that too? Or do you come up and go, you guys, maybe you don't know the whole story. Which one are you? Because I'll tell you this. If you do that second thing, you ever watched if you come up and do that sort of thing? You know what happens? Those peace, you know what they do? They dissipate. They kind of go, hey, I'll see y'all later. I'll chat with you later. And you know what? That's what Jesus did. You ever think about the story of Jesus? He would walk into a scenario where that was happening. What, what did all the evil do? It fleed. Because when you bring peace, it shuts down the enemy. And I want you to bring that into your scenario. You will have a shot at doing that probably sometime this week. And I want you to understand, if we're going to be little Christ in our world, then we're going to bring that, that purpose into those moments 
of assuming the best about people and not always, what's your, just think about your mindset. Where do you go? Do you usually, when you see someone, even across the store at Meyer, and you see a behavior, does your mind go, or, ah, what do you do? You're one or the other, and your little, or, ah, tells you if you're a peacemaker or a peace taker. Third, peacemakers bring security and peace takers create chaos. I know people in my life who when they walk into a room, well, I, I'm in a, I walk in the room, I have a natural inside me, a natural feeling of, oh, I'm so glad they're here. And, and I just, are you that person? Or do when you walk in the room, people go, oh boy, about to double down. I mean, this is how you break this message down. You break it down by looking at your own self, what you're like in these situations. And so many times, let's just be honest, sometimes we bring a little chaos. And that's not helpful. That's not what Christ would do. A fourth thing. Peacemakers, they come alongside and peacetakers push away. I can illustrate this with those of you who are married. It can be in other scenarios too, but in a marriage, sometimes this happens. You're disagreeing. Things aren't going good. And then one of the spouse will say to the other, you know what? You know what? I want to just, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I have to have a bad attitude here. And so often in my marriage, this has happened, but Jane will say that. And, and there's my response to that statement. I respond with, well, you say that now instead of going, hey, I appreciate that. I double back on it, kind of like, well, I, I wanted to say that first. And peacemakers don't do that. Peacemakers, if someone offers an olive branch, they receive it and put two leaves on there and hand it back. You come alongside. But if you push others away when they're trying to make peace, you're not setting and following the example of what Jesus was like. And then the next thing on the list um, about peacemakers, you love to see them coming, and peacetakers, you love to see them going. Like when they leave your house on Thanksgiving Day, you're like, Phew. thank you, Jesus. It, it's just true. And as I was working on this message, and I got to this point, a story from my childhood that I have not thought about in years came to me. And I'm going to share it. i got to tell you, it's a pretty challenging story to tell there are children in the room and I will do it as best I can I asked after first service with the pastoral staff if I did okay and they said yes so I'm going to attempt to do it again because it's a very serious story but it's a real story and I can tell you it was not in my mind I worked on this sermon had already to preach etc and I did not even think about this story until just before I was preaching it I was sitting there going through everything in my mind the Lord's like I, I have several points after that one I just I don't even share them because when I got to this one, the Lord's like, tell that story. And I forgot the story in the detail that I'm going to share it with you today. So when I was 12 years old, and I know I was 12 because my brother was 18, and I know he was 18 because I remember how um, arrogant he was when he turned 18, how he knew it all when he turned 18. It was just me and my brother, and we lived in a really tough little home where my father was very abusive. My father was a leader in the church. Our church was only 20 or 25 people down in South Carolina. It's a very small church, so Dad had probably five to six positions in that church. And Dad was one person at church, and he was another person at home. And at home, he was very, very mean to my mother. You need to know, 
I have full forgiveness for my dad. Took me a long time. I'm there now. He's at a little rest haven nursing home near my house. I love him to death. Go see him every week. Take him out. Get him stuff. Buy him new toenail clippers. He breaks them every week. So I get, I, I'm taking care of my dad. We are all good. So don't, don't think I'm mad at him. I love him to death. He was actually in service here a while back. Sat right there in the, in the pew. So that dad... That dad would hurt my mom a lot. I'll try to say this in a way that you'll understand it without a lot of detail. It was typically on a Wednesday night before church that he would really get violent. I'm not sure why, looking back, I, I think it had something to do with he knew he was living two different lives in some ways. And so before we'd go to church, we'd have dinner together, of course, me and, just me and my brother, only two. He's 18, I'm 12, and mom and dad's sitting there. And I remember on this particular Wednesday night, uh, something happened, and I knew when it happened what was going to happen because my brother at 18 had whispered to me in the bed one night. We had to whisper because Dad wouldn't let us close our bedroom door, and he was right next to us, and he wanted to hear what we had to say, and I remember my brother whispering in my ear, the next time Dad is violent with Mom, I'm going to take him out. That's what 18-year-olds do. That's why 18-year-olds join the Army. Let's go take somebody out. That's just what they do. And so my brother said to me, I'm going to take him out. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, the next time Dad hurts Mom, I'm going to get a baseball bat, and I'm going to do some stuff. And I'm a 12-year-old laying in bed with him going, okay. I'm, I, I don't know what to say. I'm thinking if I say no to him, he might get the baseball bat on me. So I, I'm in, bro. I'm in. And so um, please, I also want to say, please don't judge me for this. Please don't say, man, you had those kind of violent, evil thoughts. Mm -hmm. I sure did because I grew up in a really tough home. And I wanted out of it. And if my brother could help me get out of the abuse I was having to live through and I watched my mom endure, yeah, I was ready. I, I'll get out. Shoot you, I'll get out. And so that Wednesday night, my dad stood up and as he had done before, he got angry at mom about something and he did something to her so hard. And again, I'm trying to let you, because I'm not trying to sensationalize this story. I don't want to do that. I'm trying to make it simple. My dad did something to her and the food flew out of her mouth really hard. And my brother stood up and said, that's it, last time. And I was like, oh, boy, he wasn't kidding. And my brother said, I'm going to get a baseball bat, Dad. It's over. And so he left the house, went out the back door, and my dad yelled after him, you get a baseball bat, I'll get a shotgun. We'll see which one wins. And my dad did that, too. And they met at the back door with my dad with a loaded 12-gauge shotgun and my brother with his bat. A fight ensued. My mom is screaming. She's holding me. I'm crying. And my dad uh, broke my brother's hand with the gun, the butt of the gun. He turned it and he swung it. And he, he broke my brother's hand. My brother's hand is broke to this day because he, he refused to ever go to the doctor. Uh, you need to know when my dad sees him now, he will hold his hand and say, I'm sorry, son, so we're okay. I just want you to get, uh, I'm not mad. I'm, not saying, I'm trying to tell you a story about a peacemaker. I want to tell you what happened. So my dad did that, got the, got the bat away from my brother. He held us at that point of that thing, and he took us outside, and he said, sit on that swing, and we sat on that swing. I sat between my mother. My brother's holding his hand that's broken, and my mom is crying and wailing, and she's got her arm around me. And I'm thinking this is the end of my life because my dad said, if you move, things will happen. And I thought, okay, I've lived my last day. I was crying. I didn't know what to do. And then the Lord reminded me what happened next. 
My grandfather lived probably 200 yards from our house, not real far back, through the woods a little bit. And I remember my grandfather liked to hark and spit, like making noise, like, <laughs> like he did all that all the time. And I'm telling y'all, all I know was I heard that coming. I'm sitting on that swing, and I hear, <laughs> and I'm going, my mom hated that sound, but not that day, not that day. That day, it meant a peacemaker was headed our way. My grandfather was my prince of peace when I was a little boy. I say that lovingly because my grandpa is one of the reasons I'm preaching today. And my grandfather came out of those woods from behind that house, and he walked up, and he goes, what are you doing to my dad who's standing there holding that thing? And my, my brother said, what are you doing? And I mean, I mean my, my grandpa said, what are you doing? And walked over, took it away from my dad and said, get out of here. My dad left. And my grandfather took the shell out of that thing, stuck in his pocket, threw that thing on the ground, and turned and walked over to me. And I remember watching him walk over me on the swing, and I remember thinking, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Papa's here. as my peacemaker. I look back, I preach today because I had a peacemaker in my life. That's the same grandpa that believed I was called to be a preacher. He's in heaven today. According to Hebrews 12, he's looking down with that great cloud of witnesses. What's up, Papa? <laughs> and I say to you, whose life are you making a difference in? Whose life are you walking in? What little kid in your neighborhood sees you coming and going, oh, here comes hope. And then they find out you're, you bring hope because you follow the God of the universe who made you and your life has purpose. But I got to fast forward the story. I got to go ahead 40, 40 years to now because now I'm a papa and I got six papettes. <laughs> My oldest papette, his name is Jackson. So I got to tell you this, Jackson has been through a lot in his little life. He had his leg taken off when he was four because of a little physical ailment. And so he's got a prosthetic. Don't feel sorry for him. He's fine. He, he can outrun you. He's fine. He's good. Um, but he's been through a lot of stuff, other stuff. And so I'm putting him to bed at my house um, two weeks before Christmas, maybe two and a half weeks before Christmas. I'm putting him to bed. I'm putting, he's actually in my bed. I'm holding hands with him. I'm singing with him. I'm talking to him. I'm tickling. He has a little, when he takes his prosthetic off, he has a little stub there. It's really ticklish, so I'm tickling it. We're laughing, and we're having fun together. And then I said, hey, J-Man, I said, I just want to ask you, are you doing okay? Because you've been through a lot, man. And we're just talking. He's holding my hand. He goes, I'm doing good, Papa. And I said, well, I want to tell you something, J-Man, because I remember back what my grandfather gave such peace to me that I want to now give my little grandson peace. And I said to him, well, Jackson, I want to tell you, your Papa, your Papa will always be your Papa. That can't change. Like, you will always be my grandson forever and ever and ever. And I said, I'm not planning on going away. I said, when I get older, I'm going to die. And he said, he said, is that going to be soon? Because you, you guys remember when you were five, people like us looked, it's over. I mean, it, you know, it's, that's just the way it is. And I said, well, I'm not planning on it real soon, J-Man, but I will go before you probably. And then I said, but I do love you, and I'll always be here for you. And watch this. He took his hand, and we, went, we were holding hands like this, and then he switched it. He went to interlocking position, which is my favorite. I love to interlock. And I prayed with him, I hugged him, we sang a couple songs, and then we got a couple more grapes. We did our thing, you know, normal stuff. 
So the next morning, Saturday morning, he had spent Friday night. Saturday morning, I had to go do a couple things, and I said to him and his sister, come get Papa, got to go, got to go. And he, he, at first it was Naya. She jumped up, gave me a big hug. And then Jackson, come get Papa a hug. I'm leaving. So he's hugging me. I'm holding him like this. He's got his arm wrapped around my neck, his legs around me, and I'm hugging him. And I said, J-Man, I love you. Love you too, Papa. And I said, um, Jackson, I forgot to ask you something. What do you want for Christmas, man? I said, you want Hot Wheels? Because I got my own track at the house and all kind of stuff. I said, we'll get some more Hot Wheels. I said, what do you want for Christmas? And he leaned back off me. He pulled back off me, and he looked at me, and he said, Papa, you know what I want for Christmas? And I said, what, Jackson? He said, I want you to take a picture of me and you together, and then I want you to put that in a frame, and I want to have that to put in my room so I always feel you close to me. What? I went, What? high wheels and I said what do you want he said I want you to take a picture of me and you and I want you to put it in a frame and I want to have that to put in my room and I, I was over his house the other day <laughs> it's sitting right by his bed and you know why he wants that watch this because it gives him security because I'm part of the reason in his life he feels sometimes peaceful Watch this. So he opened it. It was the last little present he opened. He was sitting to the ottoman. He pulled it off. He saw it. This is literally what he did. He took the picture. He picked it up. He put his arms around it like this. And he went over into the corner of our house. And he just stood there and held it and smiled. There's a picture of it coming up on the screen. There's the picture of us taking a picture with the picture. <laughs> and I want, to tell, I want to tell you something. You know what I see? You know what I see in him? I see him going... You bring me peace, Papa. What's what, this? Let me, let me show you something. What's this? Do you know what brings me peace? A picture of me and Jesus and him going, Dan, I threw your legal pad away, and I got you, and I will hold you ready for eternity. M me and Jesus, we got our arms like this. I've been thinking about getting a graphic person to, you know, put my picture with Jesus and framing it and putting it up on the room. Because <laughs> Jesus says, I got you. And I got you for the rest of your life. The world around you might be chaos, but I got you. And today, let's first of all receive the peace only Jesus can give. And then secondly, pass it on. Pass it on. Let's go be peacemakers, not peacetakers. Thanks for the opportunity today to share the Word of God with you. And if you're watching today and you realize in your heart you're not right with God or you're away from the Lord and you say, I want to be right with God, you see, there's two things that are necessary. The first one is for you to surrender your life to Jesus and you need to receive the forgiveness that he has for you. And if you say, I want to pray a prayer and I want to surrender my life to Jesus and I want to receive the forgiveness he has for me, would you bow your head, repeat this prayer, make these words your own. Just say, oh God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I surrender to Jesus. I'm going to live for him. And I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. I thank you I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your family. I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard your prayer, and you are right with God. And I want you to keep growing spiritually. And because of that, I wrote a book, and I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge. 
All the information's right there on your screen. You can download it absolutely free. If you can't download it and need a hard copy, contact us. We'll get you that free of charge. Hey, we're praying for you. We love you, and God bless. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. Did you know that you can find today's message available for free on our app? You can watch it right there or download it and save it for later. You can also follow along with Pastor's scriptures and share images on your social media. Or you can find today's program and others at walkingbyfaith.tv. Just click on Watch Latest Program. And as always, you can purchase a copy in the WBF store. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to help change the lives of others through Walking by Faith, please visit walkingbyfaith.tv give for information on becoming a partner with us. We love to hear how God is using Walking by Faith in your life. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or send an email to yourstory@walkingbyfaith.tv. Next week, Pastor Dwayne will be back with a great message. Until then, be blessed.